0: Welcome to another week on Let's Get Real with Coach Menachem's show, Sunday Nights. Originally a Zoom interactive platform where we discuss real life scenarios with real live people.
1: Hi everybody, welcome back to the program tonight. Thank you all for coming and joining uh let's get real program tonight share 123 should really be share 124 but do to uh usher Parnas there was no share last week I apologize um hopefully Shem uh, should be a share every Sunday again we started first first to everybody for coming the platform is growing it's already two and a half years Share 123 we say thank you for all the people that are coming every week posting it letting people know about it on WhatsApp emailing it to family and friends and I really appreciate it. It's a Sikhish to grow together. So let's keep it going. And if anybody wants to join the WhatsApp to get the flyers every week, you can send me a WhatsApp at 848 525 Or you could go to com. You could sign up for his emails. He sends out the, the weekly flyers of the speakers to send in your questions together with the replays Hashem, that will be uploaded later tonight. The replay of this year. If anybody's watching, you can click on the like button and the subscribe button for Coach Menachem. And uh, every time the new share comes up, you get you get notified, you get to watch every single share. So please join us. A special thank you to all the advertising sponsors, the Lakewood Scoop, Ellen Ariel from Five Town Central, and Kyla Kaufman and Shul Summer from JCN, the Jewish Content Network, for always promoting us on all the Jewish digital platforms. If anybody's here for the first time, every Sunday night at 9:30 on this Zoom ID, we have tremendous rebundam, therapists, tremendous topics. So if you're here for the first time, welcome and please join us every week if you could. Next week, we're going to have a shared December 4th program is going to be um, with the world-famous Mashul Mepstein, one of the biggest therapists, actually, that uh, specializes in OCD and anxiety. Um, He's from Scranton, and um, in the therapy world, he's very, very well known. So please join us. It should be an interesting topic, talking about anxiety or piety, understanding the OCD and anxieties in the firm world. He wants to really keen in on that and really discuss it. And uh, he's the mumcha in that area, so uh, it should be very powerful. Please, if it says negea, definitely listen and please join. Tonight we have the sechos in the honor of having the world famous rishiva, thousands of talmidim. It's time three cents of us. It's giving us a lot of chizuk and hadrocha. and let's try to get out of him whatever we could tonight and really get to the to get to the core of it. Tonight's year is 123. Our, our the president of let's get real, Arno Yechrid, came up with the gematria tonight. The Hava is 123. Not with Chinech, we should always achieve it with habit, with love, emunah, and believing what you're doing is right, and believing in the children. So that's the gematria tonight, Hashem, which should come out. Perfect gematria. Let's start our first with the opening tonight with our host, Coach Menachem Berenfeld.
0: Coach Menachem, what are we doing here tonight? Shkoyach. Welcome, everyone, to another episode of the sheer with Let's Get Real with Coach Menachem. And, Bob uh, Hashem, tonight we have the first to have with us, Rabbi Center. Um, before we go tonight, um I did get a lot of emails um trying to figure out what they're gonna do for last week when we didn't have a show. But I hope you got a chance to catch up those uh, those that you missed, and we're happy to see you back. And here we are to continue. So we've had many episodes on Fin, and a uh, different uh, way of looking at it. And that's really. What we're going to discuss tonight, it's more like how to apply. A lot of concepts we discussed, heard from different listeners, different speakers, different ways, how. But for those who are in the world of of for those who deal or with your own kids, you know that when you're actually facing a challenge, it's not always so easy to apply and take all the things that you learned. So it does, it does need chazara, does need more, even more information to understand each child is different. So especially tonight, which we have the supposed to have Rebbe Center, which he deals, deals with this day in, day out. But if you can imagine uh, uh, in, in school, for example, a classroom of 28 or maybe 38, very hard for the teacher for the Rebbe to connect and even uh even the kids at home talking about uh, a child one of six for example to understand each child the only way you can you can be there to have the influence to be able to connect is if you understand each child but you know we have your way we have all the things the way we grew up the parents themselves many times there's shalom bias issues. One thinks we should do this way, the other the other way. Each child is different. And to really to be able to connect, to be able to go into the child's shoe, to really understand. But really, it's, it takes it to the next level. It's not enough that we understand the child. It's not enough that the, the teacher could say, I understand the kids in the class. The next level is that the child should feel understood. That's That's a hard one. The child should be able to say this Rebbe understands me. My mother understands me. My my father understands me. That's the the next level. And uh, that's what we're looking for. Hopefully with the oldish urine and all the things that we're learning and with the experience with the challenges that we have, usually our kids push us to the wall and we have to figure it out. We can't just do what we did with with the other child. Every kid is different. And we start learning to understand that even though we think A, but they think B, to understand how they think. So we can slowly go down to their level to understand, talk to them, and then slowly, hopefully, feel that they should feel that they have somebody, they understand them. So that we should have the, the influence, the that we want, that they should grow up healthy in Ruchnius and Gashmias. So thank you very much, Rabbi Center, for being with us tonight. And um, hopefully we'll be able to go into how to, how to apply. What can we do different when they're young and now when they're older and how to hold their hands while they're going through challenges or whatever it is to be there for them. So we shall have a lot of to Beautiful
1: opening because let's get into it again. Tonight's year's topic is chinech with passion, getting your kids to do what they want. What kids kids to kids do what they want, they that they don't want to do, so they can achieve what they want to achieve. Tonight's share is sponsored by Ellie and Khani Eisman of EE Events with a curse of Torah to Rosh Hashiba, The dedication and devotion he gives each Talmud may continue to be Marb Torah with, with Yeshiva Das. Right. Rabbi Center's bio, and the Rabbi Center, the floor is yours. Rabbi Center's bio. Growing up in a rabbinic family, Rabbi Chaim Tzvi Center, absorbing strong Torah values in a sense of a Christ with a Klaal. After learning in Yeshiva's Samir for five years, Rabbi center started delivering shiurim to Palmidim in the mirror. Five years later, in the summer of 2006, with the guidance of his Rebbe, Rav David kon Rosh Yeshiva's Chevron, he opened his own yeshiva with just 20 boys. Today, his enrollment stands at 110 students, 90 married Koyal students, and over 20 Rebbeim. Rabbi, Rabbi was influenced by his grandfather, Ram Dov Rosenbaum, an activist and the driving force behind the Rosenbaum Yeshiva of North Jersey. He's also greatly influenced by his teachers, Rev. Sholo Freifeld, Rav Kalman, <laughs> Shapiro, my son's name. Okay, brilliant educators of, of years past. He lives in Aze Abir, neighborhood of Yushalayim, with his wife and children of a Chaim tzvi you. Thank you for joining us. The floor is yours.
2: Thank you so much. It's a pleasure and an honor to be here, even though it's uh, 4.30 in the
1: morning, but I'm still so happy and very
2: alert because I'm excited. The, the gematria of today's year was Bahava V'emunah. So I, I think that it's extremely important to, to realize that the most, the foundation of all chinuch has to be a hava. It needs to be that, that, uh, that, and that has to come through, that, uh, uh, whether it's a child or whether it's a Talmud, has to realize that his Rebbe is there, his parent is there because they love him. And the way that they're treating them, what they're, what they're doing with them is coming from love. That has to be the foundation of everything. It has to be a hava. And they have to build trust that, the, that the, the child or the Talmud trusts his parent and his Rebbe. And that, the Piyoset writes about very much how important it is that a Talmud should feel like he can trust his Rebbe, that, he, that, that, he, he, that his Rebbe knows best. And one of the things that I'd like to say, we're talking about all these different types of Dirachim um, and Chinuch, is the golden rule of Chinuch. In my opinion, the golden rule of Chinuch. I would say this is the golden rule is that there are no rules. The golden rule in Chinuch is you have to know every child is gonna be different. And if you have one derech and one path in Chinuch, so then if you have tremendous mazel, all your children will work in that derech. But very often, uh, one child needs something, a different child needs something else. So we can't stick to just one way. And uh, I've, I've noticed that of all the episodes that there's been here with uh, Coach Menachem, There have been many different drachim. And it's super important that people should be exposed to all of them because what's good for one child will not necessarily be good for the other child. And I was just talking to a parent today and they were saying to me, "How this is our derech and chinuch. And when someone asks me, what's your derech and chinuch? Or what's your goal for your talmidim? I tell them, Every Talmud is different. So therefore, your goals are going to be different and your, and your derech is going to be different. With one Talmud, maybe you're going to go very soft with another Talmud. You're going to have to have more expectations of them or be more firm. So for that reason, if a person really wants to know how to do he's got to listen to all of the episodes of Coach Menachem. They're all available online. I'm sure you could get them. And then you can hear all the different things that a person can perhaps utilize the different resources. And uh, it changes in different ages and different stages of a person's life. Also, the way that you treat a, a child at a young age is not necessarily the way you're going to treat him when he's older. Or if a child is struggling at one point in his life, when, he, when, when, when that struggle is over, so then you can now adjust and you could change the way that you're, a person is dealing with his talmidim, with his, with, his, uh, with his children. So um, one of the things I'd like to speak about is one of the Durachim and Chinuch. The Pasuk in Kehelas, smach bachri secha. The Pasuk says over there that a bachr should enjoy being young and he should u Just uh, enjoy, go, however uh, you want to go. ki al kol And realize that all of that, you're going to end up, you're going to uh, be accountable for. So the way the Gemara says this is that it sounds like the Pasuk is starting with you know, have a good time. And then the Apostle says, you should just know you're going to be accountable for everything. Says the Gemara, the Adkan is divrei Hora. Mikan is Toiv. So the Yitzhar is telling you, have a good time, enjoy yourself. You know, you can party. And then the Yetzir Toiv is telling you, you got to be careful. But Rabbi Yisrael Salanter and the Or Yisrael says that what the, Gemara, what the Gemara means, what Chazal mean when they say that is that a person has to, when he's young, Utilize the Yetzirah. He has to harness the Yetzirah. Make it gishmak when he's young. Make it fun. Make it exciting. Make it have a good time. And, and by doing that, he can bring a person to HaVodiz Hashem. When he's older, then you have to talk to a person with his Yetzirah. The means that when a person is more mature, then it's, there's a different approach. But there's a way of getting a person out of his comfort zone, even by using the eight Tov, and that's by, for example, a person using incentives. Incentives are something that work. What it is, is that giving a person a carrot, you're giving them something, which but you're getting them to get out of their comfort zone. And I think that this is an extremely important Yisoyed The Balatanya writes... That to be an Evid Hashem, you have to be out of your comfort zone. You have to be struggling. There needs to be a struggle. So <clears throat> there's many different ways to get a person to struggle. One way is to try to give him a positive incentive. And that's what it says over here in the, the, the beginning of the Pasuk of Qeholas. But there's another way. And that way is to have an expectation of a Talmud. And when you expect something from a Talmud, even though it's something that's difficult, but you can, you can encourage him out of his comfort zone and the Gemara says the following thing it says the Gemara Ein kol sorry the Medrash Medrash says there isn't a blade of grass in the world she ain't lo malach a alav it's different here it says malach o mazl but it's really the same thing she maka oisoi ve there isn't a blade of grass that doesn't have a malach standing over it maka We don't have to take that literally here, that's hitting it, but it means there isn't a blade of grass. that if you wanted something to grow, anything has to grow, it needs to be taken out of its comfort zone. You need to take it out of its comfort zone. You need to stretch it. And that's the job of a Rebbe. The job of a Rebbe, under normal circumstances, is to create new expectations from his Talmud. I was by... As soon as prayed of a friend of mine, a Stern, and he wanted to thank his Rebbe, Rabbi Yosef Elephant. He said, "I want to thank you, Rebbe, for not tolerating your Talmud to be Amaratzen. Was it, it wasn't tolerable? And when and when a Rebbe doesn't tolerate that, so then the Talmud rises up to the occasion. That someone could say, "What do you mean? You have to be tolerable. You have to be understanding. You have to be accepting." But if a Talmud knows that a Rebbe loves him, and the Rebbe loves him, and because he loves him, he says, you can't stay in Amaris. So then the Talmud feels pushed out of his comfort zone to become who he can become. And again, there's no rules. Because there are some people that, because of what they've been through in their life, they can't deal with that. It's too traumatic for them. And it's true. That there are some people that they're wounded. But there's a derech and chinuch which is the, the, the norm. And the norm is that a Rebbe can expect from his Talmud. I had the, we had the great schos in our yeshiva to have, to have Rebbe Zechariah Wallerstein come to speak. And Zechariah Wallerstein, when he spoke, he says, what do you want me to do? You want me to hammer them? You want me to hammer them? Like to hammer the Talmudim? I said, Rabbi Wallerstein, they could take it. He said, I can't give it. Because before you hammer them, you have to hug them. You hug them and hammer them. And I haven't hugged them yet because I don't know them. But he's saying a tremendous yesai. about matter of the foundation has to be, you have to hug your Talmudim. And they have to feel the love. But after that, you can hammer them. You can have, You can say, I, I, I want more from you. I expect more from you. And the greatest machanchim that had so much love for their Talmidim, but they had expectations. I remember when I was a Bakr in Seik Shiva, and I had finished the Shir, whatever it was, it was during Khazar the Shir, and I made the the colossal mistake of going down to the laundry room to change to take my clothing out of the laundry during Seder. And the Rosh Hashiva, when came into the laundry room, was during during was during Khazar Zashir and in walks the Rosh Hashiva or minister. And he looked at me with such a look of disappointment. All the blood drained from my face. I felt like I wanted to bury myself at that moment. And he 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 shrugged his shoulders at me, like, what are you doing? Now someone can say that must have been so like. Painful, and it was such a it was such a building moment for me because I knew that the Rashiva expected more of me because he respected my koichas and what I was and who I could be. And if a Rebbe can convey that to his Talmud or a parent can convey that to a child, if they can, if they're matzliach to do that, so then they can get more out of their Talmud. There's two amazing Midrashim. With this, I'm going to close in this week's Parsha. One medrash, the medrash says in Shavu that how is it that Yitzchok had a son at Yitzchok says the medrash because Yitzchok was too soft on Asaf. He, he didn't put down boundaries for Madrash. And he says if, if, if a, a parent, now again, we're dealing with if someone is a healthy child, and every child, a person has to know how to deal with that child. But if a person has children that are, that are healthy, he should set boundaries for his children. And if he doesn't, says the Medrash, the child eventually says on of Esav was just waiting for his father to die. Here is his father. It's giving him everything. He's being permissive. He had a soft spot for Esav. And Esav was just waiting for him to die. Because a, a, a child appreciates when a parent sets boundaries. And because Esau didn't have enough boundaries, that's why, happened. of course, can't be critical of Yitzchak, but we can understand the message that the, the, the Medrash is telling us, is that boundaries are important. And a person wants to, to, to get more out of his child. So a child needs boundaries because we all need boundaries. And if a person is gonna be left to just do whatever he wants, he's not going to accomplish what he himself wants to accomplish. And we can help them by setting boundaries for them the same way we need a person who wants to excel in sports, needs to have a coach. A person that wants to, wants to lose weight needs to have someone who's going to, 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 to help them with that. A person who wants to accomplish things, it's just no different, it's the same. Uh, and I want to end with one last message. Avraham who sent Yishmael out of the house. That's, uh, it's, that's uh, you know, some people would say that that's extreme. Of course, it's not extreme in remember in, in Avram case, but Yishmal did shuva. How is it that Yishmal did shuva? The Major says it's born an Eiter place, Hatayrah HaFla Wafele, Picador Lazar. It says that Avram Vini used to go visit Yishmal. He would go visit him, he would go to his house, and he went multiple times. And he, and he spoke to him about his family, even after he sent his son away. And the Medrash ends and says, The Medrash, the Yonda Yishmael, Shad Rachame And Yishmael knew that until now, his father had Rachmanas. And that doesn't mean his father sent him out of the house. It was with Rachmanas. Everything was done with Rachmanas. So a person can convey, even when he's being firm, Extremely, even when a person is sending a child out of the house and again every situation is very different and I'm not, I'm not suggesting what anyone should do under their situations we could try to talk about it if we can. But every situation is different, but if there's a situation where is being sent out of the house and to realize that it's being done by Ahava, that child can come back.
1: Beautiful, Rabbi Center. Okay, we have a lot of questions. We're going to cover a lot tonight, make sure whatever we can cover. Everybody's right. encouraged to ask anything live. It's an open forum. We'll start off with a poll, and uh, let's see what the little answers, and then we'll get into it. Okay, center Yeah. I guess I got it up. Okay. It's a three-question poll. Here we go. Hold on one second. First question. Do you think a person should set boundaries with their teenage children or just be open-minded and supportive? Four answers. There must be boundaries, otherwise otherwise, will be chaos. Option one. Option two, unconditional love and giving the children freedom is the only way in today's generation. Option three, there is a balance of boundaries at the same time giving our children freedom to choose as well. Option four, honestly, I am so confused, I don't know myself anymore. I choose four. Okay. After all the coach menachems, I don't know myself. Okay, number two. Where are you holding with your chinuch as of today? Three, three options. Seem to have everything under control. Baruch Hashem, everybody's doing great. Um, just came here to show Rabbi Center that you're supportive of the share, but you just came to say hello. Option two, my children are out of control, and basically they're running the show. Option three, we're doing the best job possible, but sometimes I feel like we're losing the battle. Third question. How do you feel the yeshiva system is today with our children? So opinion, option A, too restrictive. Option B, too permissive. Option C, I think they have a great balance. I trust them with our children's family. Everybody answer those questions, and then we will share the results, and then we will get into it. And again, anybody wants to ask a lot of questions, I have Rabbi Sente here. Sente, I got so many calls from Talmidim that they momish love you. So Talmidim that love you. People, you know, Rabbi Sente has years and years of experience dealing with, uh, you know, pre-marriage buckrams. So, you know, he's been around. So please you have the opportunity to ask him a lot of questions, go well, first. You can text me, Ashra Parnas will be here. And, um, and well then we'll get to the other questions. Okay, five seconds and then we'll get to the answers. Okay, let's share the polls with everybody. Okay, the first question. Do you think a person should set boundaries with their teenage children, or just be open-minded and supportive? 14% said there must be boundaries, otherwise it will be chaos. 2% said unconditional love and giving the children freedom is the only way in today's Ganach. The whopping winning answer: 79%. There's a balance of boundaries at the same time giving our children freedom to choose as well. Which I would, since 79% of people said it, I'm sure I'm sure they can explain how to do it, but it sounds great. And 5% of people said, honestly, I'm so confused. I don't know. I don't know myself anymore if you want to comment anything on this you can comment we'll, we'll go to the next one
2: yeah for sure it sounds like moderation is the way to go at least uh, according to the poll and like you said that's the big challenge how to how to strike the balance that how does the person do that and i guess we'll try to talk about that, later. that
1: that's why you're here tonight that's what we want to really work we want to really know how to do that okay option uh, question two what where are you holding with the so today 18 percent seem to have everything under control i'm doing great nine percent my children are out of control basically running the show Seems like again, 73% are here because we're all with that challenge. We're doing the best job possible, but sometimes we feel like we're losing the battle. Represented the last question. Yeah. Seems like a pretty split answer over here. How do you feel the yeshiva system is today with our children? 39% too restrictive, 16% too permissive, 45%. I think they have a great balance. I trust them with our children's gonna.
2: Well, They probably ask who's which yeshivas they're in, and you maybe that, that would be the they they, why they, they The
1: 45% said they're all by set representatives. So I don't know. <laughs> okay, great. <laughs> okay, you want to comment on any of these or just go straight into the questions? Let's go
2: straight in. Okay, but that's it's It's very good to be able to have an idea of you know, what people are thinking and how they see the people, system.
1: We have people into it 100%. Okay, first question. Hi, Rabbi Center. We've been doing a lot of research in chinuch approaches with our now teenagers. We've listened to many Coach Menachem Fabulous programs and heard so many different mahalkim. We're finding it very confusing, the strong approach, the strong direct approach, the passive but firm approach, the loving and firm approach, and now everybody talks about the unconditional love approach. How do we know with our children which approach is the correct one for them based on their needs for chinuch and how to set boundaries for that for each child as well? This
2: is it, right? This
1: is the question. This is the, the million-dollar question. We have a few more of them, but this is one of the million-dollar questions.
2: I think this is the, yeah, this is the, I think today's world, it's the billion-dollar question with inflation. Um, so I, I think the answer is as follows. This is a very important answer. And I like like you said, this is probably the most important thing we can talk about. How's a person supposed to know? So my dear friend, Yossi ben Trushan was on your show not long ago. And I spoke to him a few days ago and he said, by all means, we, you could say my name, you could argue with me, you could agree with me, Yossi and I are on very much on the same page. though you'll hear something very different than what he said because that's what we're talking about. You know, his focus was a different focus than mine. But one thing that he said that I'll agree to is he said that HaKadosh Baruch Hu gave you your children. And if he would give someone else your children, they wouldn't necessarily be able to do the same job. Now, the way that I'm going to explain it is as follows. We're supposed to know our children. Our job is to know our children. And the same way we all understand that if a child is crying, now I, I don't have, I'm not that great with intuition this way, but mother, a mother will know if her child is hungry or a child is tired or a child is, you know, needs, needs to change a diaper. Now, how does a mother know that? The child is just, just crying. But, and a mother can't even describe to you how she knows the answer to that. But there's something instinctive that a mother knows because she knows her child and the same way that's true when we speak about what how a person is supposed to deal with their children it it really comes down to we need to spend time with our kids and the thing that's the biggest challenge perhaps is we are so distracted as adults we're working so hard we have so much that's vying for our attention and the more time we spend with our kids the more we're going to understand instinctively what it is that they need, and you know, we talk about there, are, you know, rules of chinuch, and part of why I feel that there's no rule is because if a person is trying to understand his child, then he knows what his child needs. If he if he sticks to uh, people are telling you have to do respond this way or that way becomes mechanical, so then he's not really being in touch. With, with, his, with his instinct of what he thinks is right. <clears throat> and that I think is the most important thing when it comes to finance because every child is gonna be different. And the only way to know how to react differently is to know your child. And we need to spend time with them. We, need to, we have to create a, a environment where a child feels comfortable telling you how they feel. And there are times when children are suppressing and very often I've heard where, where people have said, my, my parents don't know me. Now how in the world can we be machanach our children if we don't know them? And even if we do know them, if they think we don't know them, so they think that we don't understand them. So then the way that we're, we're interacting with them, they don't feel is coming from your understanding of me. The sets writes about the importance for a, uh, for a parent or a Talmud to go down to, 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 to a parent or, or a to go down to the level of the Talmud. As Coach Menachem mentioned, you want to hold their hands, and he says that in order to do that, you have to become immature, or you have to you have to get into their maturity level, whatever that means, and, and understand them, and I think that the biggest mistake that a parent or a machanach can make is to say the words, which we often have a taiva that says, I don't understand you. I don't understand how you could do that. I don't understand why you're doing that, but that itself is an indication of the fact that you are not the right person to be talking to me. Because if you don't understand me, so then how could you, how could you tell me what I'm supposed to do? You don't get it. But if you say, you know, I do understand you, but even though I understand you, I, this is the, what we have to do to, to, to get out of this or to improve or to be better. So the, it boils down to, there is no one answer to this question. The answer is understand your kids, know your kids, spend time with your children. If we spend more time, I know we before i sure, he said, he told me once, he said, his father of Gedal Shore never missed dinner with the family. The entire family sat around. Gedal Yashor was Rosh shiva, and he was, a, he was a person who was involved in Kval Yisrael. He never missed dinner with the family. Because you have to know your children. Be able to talk to them. Be able to know what, what they're going through. Know where they're at. And then you'll instinctively know which child needs to be pushed more and which child needs to be coddled more and how a person is supposed to do
0: that. So you're saying, you're saying that really they should start when they're younger. If you wake up when they're having the struggles, some, some parents yeah. feel like they just don't connect.
2: Yeah, Absol- absolutely. And there, there are sometimes there are parents that tell me I don't enjoy spending time with my kid. It makes me crazy. So if, if a person starts at a young age where he's already established a relationship with the child. And it's very important at a young age to do that. So then as the child gets older, you can continue to, to 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 cultivate that relationship, which is so critical.
1: In Murray, Let's take a live question you're on.
3: Thank you. Okay, my question is as follows. I have two questions. First one is, if Yitzhak Avinu who personified Gvura, Din, boundaries, mistakenly didn't enforce proper boundaries with his own son. How are we supposed to know um, what our boundaries should look like, when to enforce and how to enforce? Um, and then my second question is, when you were saying about you know, with healthy children, today's generation, especially in teenagers, they struggle so much in so many different areas. Like how do we define a healthy child, a healthy teen- teenagers as opposed to not healthy?
2: Okay, I'll try to answer both of them. If I for, if I forget something, please uh, let me help me out.
3: So in general, whenever we
2: talk about the Yisrael, am I is, am I supposed to jump in now? Am I doing the right thing? Unless you want me to answer.
1: I mean, if you want, I can answer whatever you want.
2: Yeah, go ahead. I'd love to hear what you have to say. Okay.
1: Uh, you go first. If I, if I if I if I feel different, I'll let you
2: know. I got it. Yitzhak, um, like Anytime we speak about something that the Olbas did, any flaw in the Olbas would be so indiscernible by us. And the Cutler writes about this, Um Aaron, it would be so indiscernible, it's on such a, it's such a document, a doc, it's so subtle we would never even be able to see it. So somehow Yitzchak Havino had the, the slightest flaw in this area, but the idea is, is for us to learn from it. That's exactly why the Torah writes these stories. It's not just random stories that are interesting, or it's not just history, but rather the whole point is for us to be able to draw from it and to, and to be able to learn from it. So Yitzchak Avinu had a soft spot for Aesop. Whatever the reason is, is if it was because he saw Aesop was struggling, if it was because Aesop himself exhibited certain amount of gvura, so he identified with Aesop. But somehow there was there was something there <clears throat> that we have to try to understand the importance of us um, also setting boundaries. <clears throat> but the fact that uh, that is instead, some way there was a, uh, a, a, a slight, subtle infraction on Yitzchak's part, it could be, it won't be perfect either. And, and the, I, don't, I don't think there's such a thing as perfect parenting, but there's parenting that comes from love. And part of that is my attempt to try to help you to get to where you have to get to by setting those boundaries. As far as today's generation, so I heard, I was macabre from Myra Bain. We're gonna speak next week about anxiety. I'm not a anxiety professional, but anxiety seems to be the biggest problem. I've heard from many professionals, what's the biggest problem we face? It's anxiety. Anxiety is all over the place. Why do people have anxiety? Maybe, this is what I was in from my maybe anxiety comes because people have never been taught how to deal with adversity. They've never dealt with boundaries. They've never had boundaries. When you don't have boundaries and all of a sudden something that you want is out of your reach, you don't know how to deal with that. So making healthy children might very well be establishing boundaries when they're young. And that way, when they're older, you know, something happens that's not in the way that they want it to happen. Okay. So, you know, I didn't get what I wanted. It didn't didn't work out the way exactly the way I wanted it to. And anxiety comes when a person doesn't, you don't have the tools how to deal with anything. So, you know, if we, it, it could be that if we start with establishing healthy boundaries at a young age and, and, of course, with love and everything has to come with a feeling that this is coming out of care and concern, so then we can help our children be more healthy. Now, how does a person know if his child is healthy? I think there are two answers to that question. One answer is know your child. He should be comfortable, he or she should be comfortable communicating with you and telling you. And that how they feel inside. Sometimes there's children suffering inside, and parents don't even know. But if the child feels that my parent cares and is not gonna fall apart if I tell them that I'm suffering, so then then they'll you, they'll they'll hear. And the other way is by speaking, having open rapport with the rabbi, with your with a person's own mentor or rebbe or rav, or with the teacher of the school, and finding out what you know what what I'm what I'm seeing is this healthy and is this a good approach to deal with this child or not
1: i want to just go into another topic i have another question before just want to clarify a little bit yeah the way i'm understanding it is always there's different levels of chinook right you start off everybody starts off with the model a you know whatever that is but then as children grow up and as things change we start slowly turn change our chinook levels or things that we wouldn't accept that now we do have to accept as things change so my question is when do we know that from going from the mainstream regular chinuch that we need to do, and we have to like ease up on that? When do we, when do we? I guess I don't know the right way to, put, to the question is more like when we go from regular chinuch more to crisis chinuch. When do we know when that shift is?
2: Well, we only go that shift when there's crisis, right? we no, right. only go to crisis chinuch if there's if there's a crisis. We don't have to automatically go to a place of permissiveness, you know. And the, and the, the, there's importance for um, to to realize that there's a place for crisis chinuch. You know? Right, but so uh, the the the, the, that really depends on the resilience of your child. There's a book called All for the Boss, Rebekah Yosef Herman. Now, you look at the way that he deprived his children of a lot of different things, but his children had resilience; they were able to do that. Now, Rebekah Yosef Herman, at the same time, so he would go out and play sports with the kids you know, and get them to get them to go to yeshiva, the kids that were not his children. Because those children didn't have that resilience. I'll tell you a quick story. I was the Talmud of Amosha Shapiro. I was in a shir by Amosha Shapiro, and the shir um, was uh, was a lot of older Yungalites. Some of them were even I had the keys to the shul, so that's why they let me in. So, in this shul, um, in this shul, we, the, when the Talmudim asked questions, Moshe, you know, could be very, very uh, sharp with his answers. Very sharp. The way I heard from Romeo Stern or Byron Cutler would uh, would hand you your head on a platter if you asked a question that wasn't good. It was, it was a similar type of thing. Now, this this shul was right near a Baal to yeshiva. And somehow the Baal Yeshiva found out about the shear, the and they asked Shapiro if he will allow some of the older Baal to come to the shear. So it was a very lopsided shear. We had on the one hand, these Talmidi Chachamim and then you had these Baal And whenever the Talmud Chacham would ask a question, he would have his head handed in. Um, then uh, one of the Baal asked a question and it was not a question which I, I thought Ramesh would appreciate. And I was ready for him to totally decimate him. And he answered him with such gentle and soft. And it was, and and you could tell the difference because you realized realize there's some people that can deal with this and there's others that can't. And we have to be comfortable enough with ourselves and understanding that our children can be different to be able to give them different responses. And that's what he did right there in front of us. And he was, and this and and he was like so soft on this other person while at the same time when you have the son of a of a tremendous uh and he says you know how could you you know and and how could you say that and he, he totally tore him to pieces so when we switch the crisis mode uh, of, of chinuch is when we we feel that our our children are not they're not they don't have the resilience to deal with that and it's okay for them to be that way it's okay for a person to have for whatever that reason is, whether or not it has to do with an experience they had in yeshiva, whether it has to do with say, experience they had with their in their family, but um, you know that, that that doesn't mean that they're not destined for greatness because right now they need a softer approach, a softer approach. But really, it boils down to the, that we have to be spending enough time and have enough of an open line of communication in order for us to know when to make that change.
0: I think before before oh, we yeah, can. Oh, just a second.
1: Before,
0: one second, one second. Go, continue Going back to um, Rabbi Herman, how he, you know, how the thing that he did, I think many people, you know, we have to stop over there. He was able to spend time with them and give them that hug that you mentioned. And then he can um, hold back things. But the question is, you know, today's parents that like we know are busy, they're not around, And uh, at the end of the day, the question is how to practically be there for the child when you're all at work, there's a lot going on, there's other kids, and uh, you don't give the dahaba is not as much seen. So now you're gonna, what do we do then?
2: So I appreciate that very much, that question. You know, we don't have as much time. The reality is we don't have as much time. But I don't think it's necessarily the quantity of time. I think it's the quality of time. It's true. Could be we don't eat dinner with our children. Uh, we don't have family dinners as often as, as, uh, as uh, G'dayi Shore had. But when we're with our children, so if a person is going to put his phone away, like there's a, a, a woman in, in, in Brooklyn who told me that when she goes home, she, she turns her phone off. If someone wants to reach her, they reach her on her landline. It's a whole different thing because she's, she's able to focus. She's with her children. She's with her grandchildren. She's there and she's giving them undivided un- attention. And that is something that we can all do. And a lot of people struggle doing that because, because you know, w- whether it's because they think that they have to answer their business questions right away or because they're just, they're, they're things that are vying for their attention. But if we can carve out time when we're giving our children uh, their undivided attention we can establish the chords of love that are necessary in order for us to be able to to have that type of relationship
1: okay you're on Tomlin's Hi, Rabbi. Um, my question is like this. How do we do early chinuch? For example, like under the age of three, there's not really chinuch, a mitzvah necessarily, something like that. But how do we start to, I guess, set the tone for number one, that the children feel the love and number two, that they understand that we're trying to raise them in a certain oifem that's a third oifem.
2: The So I'll try to, to answer both of those. It's nice to have a Talmud on. Thanks for calling. Um, so... First of all, when, when we're when we're children are young the Chovas HaVolva says that the reason why Kodesh Bochum makes a child so needy is in order to establish a love between a parent and a child. And it's important for us to be able to sacrifice for our children. I, I You know, it's nice to be able to get a nurse that can wake up in the middle of the night for your child. It's nice to have uh, uh, someone during the day who can take your child out for walks but if, if we're not working on that love that we have with our child at a young age. So then it, then, then, we're going to miss out on a tremendous opportunity. Now, I, I, I'm not saying that a person should never have a nurse. Like if you need a good night's sleep, great. But at the same time, we need to be spending time with our children, changing our children's diapers and, and dealing with our children when they're cranky. And that says the above us builds the love. And and the Yisoid of all Chinuch is love. And if a child feels love from a parent, So then a child knows it's real. So the first thing we have to do is we have to work on investing in our children just to love them. And the second thing is there is no replacement for for being uh, a role model. And when you wanna work on chinuch of your children when they're young, so a person should work on themselves. And it's very important. people have told me when my children are older, I don't wanna have this in the house, I don't wanna have that in the house. But you can't wait till you're older and then all of a sudden try to pull it out of the house because it's just not going to happen. So at a young age, a person should already start living the life that he wants his child to see. And if a person does that, so then the child has what to to model. I think that perhaps could be the answer. Wow,
0: even even putting away his phone when the kid is one year old. Yeah, 100%. I like that. Here's a question somebody sent in. I have five boys. All the older ones, Baruch Hashem, are doing great. The learning Stark. My youngest son seems to be having a really hard time. I'm not sure where we went wrong with him. Maybe since he's the youngest, he's more uh, spoiled. We're not sure. Can you give us some clarity why one would be so different from his siblings?
2: Yeah. Yeah. Okay, it's a great question. I'm a youngest, so I can relate with that child. And I I definitely was not the easiest of all the children in my family for my parents to be Machanach, even though my mother, Baruch Hashem, I always say my mother has selected memories. She chose to forget all the times that I was not so easy to deal with. Uh, But I don't know if it necessarily has to do with a parent uh, being tired or not being able to deal with things, that where you are in your family structure also affects a lot. I myself grew up in a very prominent family. And I struggled with the fact that I had a lot to live up to. Not just a father who was world famous, but my brother who was a tremendous talmud and I walk around and people would say to him, oh, are you, you know, are you the younger brother? And that, that was, that was very hard for me. My brother didn't go through that. And that's different. It's different growing up in a shadow and every child grows up in a different circumstance, even if they're growing up in the same house. And they could also grow up in a house, you know, sometimes the house, there's more money, you know, there's, the, 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 the family is more successful, and there's more privilege. That, that just has to do with the, 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 the dynamics of what's going on. And there's also different nishamas. There are different nishamas that, are, that a person that gives different neshamas, and, and the nishamas have, there's a different balance of all of the spheres that are in the neshamas. And for that reason, a parent needs to be flexible. It doesn't mean that necessarily anything is wrong with this child. And the thing that I, I'd like to bring out the most is we tend to think that our children that are smoothest are, are the better ones. But the truth is that a child that struggles is even more precious. And the Svaram write about how special our generation is because we're struggling. And there's no one that can say that our generation is not struggling more than previous generations. No one would say that. And our generation is the most precious. doesn't mean we're on the highest Madrega of Kedusha. We're learning the best. We have the best. But the but Kodesh loves the fact that Kali Sol is struggling. There's, that's the Avodah Hashem that the Balatanya is speaking about. So we have a child that's struggling. We have, to, we have to respect that. We have to learn to appreciate that. I think that realize that every child has his own tafkid, his own place in the world.
0: Hi, it's Coach Menachem here. If you enjoyed, please consider supporting us with a small monthly monthly donation to help sustain the future episodes. It will be pr- greatly appreciated. Thank you in advance. Okay, let's
1: get to the next question over here. I feel like yeah. I'm to do this question. Okay, this next million-dollar question, you ready? Yeah. I- here we go. So I'll tell you I'm, trying here. Sell, I'm trying to set healthy and safe boundaries with our kids at the same time, convey unconditional love. It seems to be contradictory. Rabbi Center, can you please explain us how to do this? Or we'll play it out?
2: Okay, can you can you say that one more time?
1: I'm trying to sell, trying to set healthy and safe boundaries with our children at the same time convey unconditional love. Right. So Rabbi Center, can you please explain us how to do this? Or maybe even we can role play it. I don't know. We're trying to understand it. It sounds cute in, in words and in theory,
3: but we want to understand it. myself. Okay, great.
2: I think there's a number of uh, different things a person has to do in order to. First of all, I think that conversation is extremely important. One of the things that the Piaseczna writes about, and there's also there's there is a um, there's, there's a personality named Janusz Korczak. I don't know if you ever heard of him. Janusz Korczak was, was a Jewish person who uh, lived in the time of the Holocaust. And he speaks about how we have to respect a child's intellect. And the Piaseczno also speaks about how we're person- we have to engage them in conversation. And engaging them in conversation is, is, is having them to think about what we're saying and appreciate the fact that, they, that we don't talk at them, we talk with them. We talk with our children and we talk to them and in, in that way we can help them to understand why what we're doing is really for their best and giving them the opportunity to talk to us. Now, I think that an extremely important detail is that we ourselves need to model self-control in other words there's parents who at a young age struggled a lot financially and because they struggled they, they lived with a lot of boundaries that things that they couldn't buy the things that they couldn't have there's there's vacations they couldn't go on but as they got older and bar Hashem, they got more successful now they're they're allowing themselves the certain luxuries now the children never saw the struggle beforehand so all the children are seeing is parents that are allowing themselves to have everything that they want. If we don't model ourselves boundaries in our lives, so then it's very hard for a child to, to, to understand why do I have to live in a boundary and you don't. But the moment the child says that a parent is depriving themselves of certain things, and it doesn't mean to live you know, a, a life where a, a person's not, you know, at, at all giving himself any of the the the, the Luxuries that he wants, but there's still boundaries. There's still there's certain boundaries of things that I can uh, I can afford, or and and it's something that I that I can I, I have the ability to have, but I I chose not to. Then we can also show them that this is something. This is a lifestyle. There's a lifestyle that we have to have, and that lifestyle is one where we are living with with self discipline or control. And I think that. The difference between Yaakov and Esav that we speak about in this week's parasha is Esav was didn't have a lifestyle of growth. Esav was a soy. A soy means he was complete. He was the way he was. Yaakov was constantly moving. He was growing. And if we model that lifestyle ourselves and we realize that a person wants to grow. So then he has to create for himself certain boundaries of things that this is not good for me. And I'm going to grow by, by, by withholding. Like, just like we said, the Malach tells uh, every, every blade of grass that I want you to grow. And the way to grow is by stretching yourself. by, by, by uh, the way to grow is by a person getting out of his comfort zone. So therefore this is our life. We're not here for things to be easy. Now we can, this is extremely important. A person can embrace and enjoy the struggle. You can enjoy that. People enjoy going to a gym. People enjoy um, exercising and and pushing themselves to the limits. I'm not saying a person should be sad or mad or depressed, chas v'sham. But the question is, what are you gonna enjoy? You're gonna enjoy just relaxing? Or you're going to enjoy becoming a better person and working hard on yourself and working and 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 becoming better and feeling the the satisfaction of the fact that I've I've grown, even though it's hard work. So a, a child sees that that's the what a parent what a parent does. The child sees that that's what a parent the, the lifestyle that the parent leads. So then they themselves will also follow suit.
1: Senta, beautiful, very powerful. We have more questions on that. Okay. Okay, we have a live question, you're on.
3: Hi, Irma Center. thank you for taking Hi. my question. My pleasure. Question. Um, okay, I know you were talking before about mothers being around and available for their children um, as yeah. much as possible. I'm a Mora, I work from home. I keep my kids home with me for the first few years and I'm obsessed with my babies. But for some reason, as my kids get older, I lose that like obsession. Am I being clear? Like I, I, I find yeah. like I'm not as interested in their day, or I'm more like lose my patience with them quicker. How yeah. can I change that? I still, obviously, I still love them, fully love. Every time I know, think of that thought of something happening to them, I, you know, I can't even imagine it. But for some reason, I can't show it to them.
2: Wow. <sighs> mm-hmm. Well, um, first of all. It, 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 it's possible that you're, you've got um, too much on your plate. A lot of us have too much on our plate. A lot of us are dealing with too much and it's very hard for us. And uh, sometimes children take a lot of energy. Um, so if, if it's a choice of um, you know whether or not we're gonna, um, and I, I don't know what's happening in your life, but if it's a choice of whether or not I'm going to be able to take on more outside of my house or take on more inside of my house, it's important for us to realize that our children are our legacies. Um, I once heard from a very smart woman. She said, "You're only as happy as your least happy child, and your children are are your future. And uh, you have to you have to have the strength to be able to deal with them. And, you know, sometimes they're they're difficult. We need to uh, we need to find the uh, enough uh, resources inside of ourselves to to have the patience for them."
0: Also in general, in general, some people, they love the babies. They get older, they have challenges. At the end of the day, it gets harder. It does get harder. And then some parents feel like they lost the love. They don't know where it went. They're like, where's that cute little kid? Yeah, so what do you say, Coach
2: Menachem? So what do you do?
0: A lot of work. A lot of inner work. The truth is, like you're saying, sometimes we're busy at work, busy running, and we don't have time for our kids, right? So, you know, we hope they behave because I need to do something more important than them. Yeah. And uh, then when the challenges come up to realize what buttons it's pressing, my kid is not being exactly the way I want, and slowly they can, um, you know, veer off. You don't feel that, no, I... It's just not doing what I want. Doesn't behave after over and over. You know, so it takes that to realize. It takes the time to realize where am I? What am I feeling about my kids? And what do I need to do to be there for them? I think it also takes self awareness. If you realize that you have that, then you you you
1: put kolchus into it and you focus on it. It's not a, you know, people get very into the routine. You have a bunch of kids. at six o'clock. This one has to go to sleep. So that one you could drive at seven. So this one at eight. So if you know that's the massive, you have to you focus, you realize you have the problem. Now you work on it a little bit. You say, okay, I have to give this kid, everybody has their own five minutes, 10 minutes, 20 minutes, whatever it is. You know, when you have 10 kids, 20 minutes is uh, three hours. It doesn't work. But um, I think, I think you have to put that focus and really hyper-focus on them and realize that it's as they get older, they get uh, you know, when they're cute and the one, two years old, they go straight to see it. three, four, they say no, five, six, they just go out. So, and younger, it takes
0: less work. It's natural. When they get older, it takes much more work. Like you're saying, to be immature, play with them, with their toys, but you're not interested. Huh. Okay.
1: Are you ready for the next one?
3: Yeah.
1: Okay, you're on.
4: Hi, thanks for taking my call. I have two unrelated questions. Um, first of all, my almost five-year-old, she's asking us a lot of hush Gaffa questions, like, um, you know, Hashanah makes everything, how could he make himself? Or um, on Shabbos, like, why can't we use scissors if it doesn't make noise, things like that? You know, what's like the best way to, to respond to her? Um, the second question is, I feel like, you know, we're we're younger parents and in our generation, there's a lot of fear of what our children are going to turn out like. Um, how do we minimize that fear and, and parent with confidence without this, um, you know, o- overwhelming sense of, you know,
2: thinking about the outcome as opposed to the process.
1: Wow. Those are two very, those are. told you before you came on. I said, this is, this is the real deal.
2: Yeah. So uh, you do me a favor, Uchi. It might, my, it seems like my connection is not stable. So if I'm having issues, I could switch to a different.
1: No, uh, right now, everything I see is good. Okay, great. It's stable and everything's stable. We're stable. If there's any issues, I'll let you know.
2: Excellent. So the first question that we spoke about was, how do we deal with all these deep questions? And uh, a lot of those questions are not meant to be dealt with. The Gemara and Tamit says, there's certain questions which, uh, that, which the, the Chacham were asked, which they, they said, you know, we, we're not gonna, like who created Hashem and those types of things. Um, uh, they're, they're, uh, how, how exactly to divert that question, I think is really uh, is really the challenge and to talk about the Yisoydus of the amuna of what we do know about HaKadosh Baruch Hu. And we're not expected to know everything about Hashem. If we knew everything about Hashem, probably that would mean that we would be Hashem. Um, but uh, the, 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 that type of question of, uh, the particular one you're speaking about of, you know, who created Hashem, uh, is, um, is going perhaps past where we're supposed to go. And that's a child that's very deep and has obviously a lot of, um, a lot of thought process, and I think it's a question of diverting that and, and process and and and, and uh, channeling it, channeling it towards other very important deep concepts about about Maimed Harsinai, about um, about the Makos, about mass revelation or whatever it is that which are the Yisoidus of Aramuna, and to try to keep them focused on that, um, and at the same time uh, not to ever suppress a question to make a person feel like they can't ask questions, but just to try to divert that to something else. Um, that's what I would say to do it in, in, in that type of situation. And, uh, and to say, well, it's such a great question. And to say, we don't have to know all the answers to all the questions. You know, one of the things we celebrate on, on uh, Pesach is, the, the children should ask. We, we never talk about answering them. We just, they should ask this, they should ask that. And we don't necessarily need to know all the answers. No, we need to know the of aramuna and um, the other question that you asked was as far as uh, our own um, anxiousness about how our children are gonna turn out, I think it's very important for us to realize that our children uh, are not an extension of ourselves. And we are not in control of how our children turn out. We have to do our part, but it's not my life. It's my child's life. And I also have to empower my child to make his own decisions. In the end of the day, at a certain age at least, it's his life and his decisions so I have to do my part and my advice is to love my child and to try to you know, give him the best opportunities they possibly can after that you know it's really to them so if we realize it's not us we're not responsible uh, for for the, the decisions that our children make it's, they have their own ishtama they have their own bechira, they make the, the decisions so we can just do the best to be the, the best coach we can be so uh, so everyone, every one of any one of us is a coach we you know that's we're all here to be coaches to, to, and that's what the piece writes about in his akdama is that the iker mechanach of a person is himself the rabbeim the parents are there to coach they're there just to help to assist but really you are in charge of your own destiny you being the child and a person realizing that so then i i do what i can and after that it's all up to you
1: I was going to say what I heard a little bit, but they say that, you know, <laughs> they say that, you know, that uh, 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 you could see two two neighbors, and they both basically within the same realms are doing similar chinoch, and they're both, you know, they're going to the same shul in the same schools. You see one person, the kids are muridic, and the other people, the kids are struggling, and, you know, oh, what did I do wrong? It's nothing to do with you. It's that Every child has their own journey. Every child is, it's your oh. And the fakert, I even heard even Tifer, the have gave you a schus if the child's harder. Because this child needs you as a better parent versus
2: not. One hundred percent. And like I mentioned before, these children are precious neshamas. The children that are struggling, that if there, if there's a struggle, you know, a child that struggles through their 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 chinuch, whether it's because they don't they have a hard time reading, they have a hard time understanding, they have a hard time sitting, that there's something super precious about their avodas Hashem.
1: Okay.
4: okay, let's go to the next live question you're on. yeah, yes, uh, my name is Ah. I have a question about um where the Hene really started from because I think that uh, what we're dealing is is also chinuch that uh, that a lot of you know, parents, parents made mistakes. so so we're dealing with much more than just just our Hene. Is it true that the Hene uh, is uh, we dealing with a with chinech that's before or we have our own chinech with our kids? Want to, uh,
1: clarify, want to clarify the question? I'm not understanding so much. Are, yeah. you, saying, are you saying that the chinech we're giving over, what your question is, is it coming because your parents did a certain chinech A and you mice are doing over chinech A? Or you're supposed to learn yourself chinech and do a fresh chinech? Is that your question?
4: My question is if it's like one big chinech let's say from a room, a room of till now, or is it just my family? That means that if I don't do the best job, I I could kind of blame my parents. And also we, we don't, <laughs> you know what I mean? It's not, so it's not just only in us. And also we are much less mature. So we are kids that's raising kids because we don't really. I mean, that's That's what your parents said about you. No, I think my siblings raised me, but.
1: <laughs> so I, I think, Rabbi said, Rabbi said, I think what his question is Lamaisa, uh, a lot of people are brought up not with the best kinach. Of. So maybe the question is if you brought up not with the best kinach, of, what's your crisis and what are you supposed to do about it? Yeah.
3: Yeah.
2: So I want to just tell you a quote that I saw, and I'm sorry I don't have it in front of me, so I can't tell the exact quote, but it's describing the problem with the young generation. They, they, they have no respect for elders. They have, they have no etiquette. They gobble their food. That's the quote I remember though, that one, they gobble their food, they eat fast. And, and what's gonna be with this to this, the next generation? This quote is from uh, Socrates. Okay, he probably didn't say it in English, but my, my, my point is that this has been going on forever where people are saying the next generation, wow, they're terrible. They're horrible. Look at this. This is like all the way back from the time of the reshining already. People are going to say, what's going to be with the next generation? They're impossible. So, you know, we, we, we look at ourselves and or, or our children and say, well, we're, we're so dysfunctional. So like, what do you community expect from us? but I, I don't really think that it's really that much different than it was before and we are uh, we, we those of us that have had mistakes uh, that have experienced mistakes are possibly the ones that are the best to correct them we have the tools because we've experienced it we've been through it ourselves so again, if a person right now is triggered, it's very hard, and 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 it's very hard a person who's triggered to expect them to to to, to react in a in a, uh, a logical way, because it's it, it, it it's it, when a person gets triggered, so then it's almost as if they don't have the hero. But if a person went through challenges, and whatever it might be, and and they and they and they themselves feel like they. They, they, they lost out because of it. But we know, so we know what to do. We know how to make things, uh, what, what the corrections that should be. And we're not, it's not up to us that our children, we should live vicariously through our children. It's not like we have to make our children like, we don't want you to make the mistakes that I make. That's the worst thing, because then the person gets himself triggered when he sees this kid doing something that he did and he gets so upset about it. But at the same time, we can make corrections in whatever the chinuch that we got to give that properly to the next generation there's no reason why not and to to blame it on a previous generation is just the kicking the can down the road and one of the things of alaz bin durdaya he he was he was pretty uh he was pretty messed up and Rebbe Daya, before he was rebel he was Ben was doing a lot of a lot of affairs. And when he realized that it's time for him to get his act together, he said, "Haram ugvoyz bichulai rachamim. is that the mountains? What are the haram? The haram are the hoirim. Hoyrim is the parents. Like it's like I want my parents to. to, to, to this I heard from Rebbe Harari Raful I Want my parents to daven for me because." you're the ones that didn't do a good job on my education so so it's your fault so you go down for me and then and and, and they said we're gonna doubt for ourselves you have to doubt until he said also when to realized I can't I'm not blaming anyone I have to fix myself I got to deal with my own issues and then I'm gonna when a person does that then he is empowered to then help others so our, our chinuch of our children is something that we are responsible for. I don't think that we can necessarily uh, say that there's previous generations that are at fault for what we're doing.
0: Very good. Here's another question. How do I set boundaries for my children if society is so permissive? Anything called chinech or rules, boundaries are called uh, for today's children controlling, abusive, whatever you tell them to do, you tell you know, you're, telling, you're not letting me go. Please advise.
2: Wow. So, uh, I'll tell you a story that happened to me. I was in my Rebbe's house. And his child was not acting in a way that the Robinson approved of. She said to her son, yitzchok That's not his name, but we could pretend. Yitzchok, You can't do that. You're a Kayan. You're a Kayan. It's not the fitting of a Kayan. And I saw tremendous wisdom in this story. The wisdom I saw in this story was, she's telling her son, maybe all your friends are doing that. But you're different. You're a Koyan. You can't act like everybody else. I, there's a story about a, a um, special needs child. The story came to Rav Shlomo Zalman Orbach. There were two schools to send them to. One school which had better services, but was less religious. And the other school, which had which was more religious, but didn't have as good services. So the parents came to Rav Shlomo Zalman and asked them what to do. Rav Shlomo Zalman said, did you ask your child? which there's tremendous wisdom in that, again, engaging the child. They said, no, he's special needs. So let's bring him in, let's ask him. So the child said he wants to go to the school with the better services. Shlomo Zalman said, okay. He said, but I want you to be my my shliach. You have to make sure that everything that happens there is being done properly. And if anyone asks you, tell them that Shlomo Zalman Orbach sent you. The kid was so empowered, like all of a sudden, like he became an important person here that he now has to, that he was able to keep his, at least for himself, he was able to keep what, you know, his sensitivities. So if we can give our children a sense of pride, family pride of who we are. And, you know, if I could instill my children, you're a center. Now the center family started with my father, uh, my grandfather was not uh, was not a person that was connected to his yiddishkeit doesn't it doesn't, doesn't mean that you have your last name is finkel or your last name is salavitchik it could be you can create for yourself an own pride in your family which is what my father did and and every family can do that and that means us living up to a certain expectation if we're just going to go with the flow of course our kids are going to go with the flow but if a, a child sees that this is the way that this is the way it goes in our family and, and our, and, and our family is a certain pride of who we are. And we're not the same as everybody else. And it can be, it doesn't have to be in every single area. You have to be the Godel Hador in everything. But if a child sees that a father, the way he davens is different than everyone else, He doesn't just daven like everyone else. He davens with a intense kabana, and he's like, wow. My father's aleno, even if it's just the aleno, My father's aleno is like, so I see that. And my father's not going with the flow. So then every person has a nakuda in which they're not going with the flow. You're teaching him how to be able to have the strength to say, like, I'm different than everyone else. And I think that that is the most important nakuda to empower your family with the, the the ability to rise above what everyone what it seems to be much
0: more commonplace. But that's that's only after you give them the hug, like we discussed before. Everything is after the hug. Everything comes there. Oh, it, it, we got to a lot of hugs,
2: not just one hug. A
0: lot of hugs.
2: So we should talk about the hugs more. Uh, yeah, we should. There's two things we should talk about more. We should talk more about the hugs. We should talk more about the davening. But I think that's also something which, in other words, I, I, I saw a comment. We have to daven for sure. We have to daven and daven daven our hearts out. We should daven every single day for our children. That's, there's no question about that. And we need to see after the and every person um has the And that's part of our sh'tadlus part of our established, and you see by Avram, I spoke about Avram, that he was always with Yishmael, but he also, and that's also, but the love is, everything is about, the the foundation of everything is the love and and it's not just the love, it's expressing the love, it's conveying the love, because there are times that there are parents that tell me, I love my child, and the child doesn't know that. I would say, something that happened to me was probably the saddest moment in my career as a machach. I had a parent in my office struggling with his son who was a good kid. But they they didn't get along. I told him, I want you to go out of my office and I want you to say something nice to your son. And he said, I cannot think of one nice thing to say about my son. This is a boy learning in yeshiva." a boy that had no issues with 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 Senayim, no issues with Shemir Naim no issues with Shemir Habris this is a boy that he was he was a regular yeshiva bachar but the parent couldn't find a nice thing to say about his own child it was it was frightening to me and, but i they they if a person doesn't express love to his child so then they the, the child's not going to have it back and this kemayim Panim al panem. The, the child has to feel has to understand love, and a lot of times there's a parent once told me, parenting is not a popularity contest. I think it's a cute line, but I I think it is a popularity contest. I think your children need to love you, and if you if your children don't get that message, it doesn't come through that everything I'm doing is because I care about you, I love you. So then you then you can't move forward, you can't go past the hug until the child knows that you're hugging them. So you're right, we definitely have to speak more about that. I hope we did. How does how does that happen? How could a parent get to that place? You know, the parent is extremely critical, extremely critical of himself and of other people, but he he, he, he his expectations for his child were so high that uh, he couldn't he couldn't appreciate. I had another parent whose child was also doing great, that he was chassidish, and his child wasn't. And I said to him, your son is doing so well. He says, you know, when I see my son shuckle, all I see is his chup. Because he's the father of chassidish. i like, your son is shuckling during davening. He's davening with kavanah. He's, he's erlich. I, I,
3: I, show him some love. Couldn't do it. And as much
2: as like we, we, we talk about trying to build our children but
3: if we can't
2: establish that type of love so then the child's not going to embrace it
0: so what's the first step for such a parent
2: first step is being able to is learning to communicate that and and, and learning to they can't, they can't. yeah I, yeah yeah it's 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 very hard they, they they have to um be taught to appreciate and i don't i don't it's very it's It's a lot of inner work. That parent needs to do a lot of inner work because they're not happy themselves. They're not happy with themselves. Are they blame.
1: Let's let's jump into the next question because it's- I'm with you. Okay. Ask your next question. Let's see if it ties in.
3: So you were talking about the parents who had trouble telling love or displaying love or showing love to their child, a perfectly good child. What if you're the child who hasn't felt that love?
2: Uh, at what age are we talking about as an adult or as a
3: child well as an adult you're realizing that you didn't get the love as a child so the repercussions are astronomical
2: yes they they definitely are it's true and 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 a person has to take care of themselves and i'm sorry if if for a person that that had that and didn't feel that love and you know there are different, many different ways that people convey love. One of them is through action, the other one is through speech, the different, the different love languages that we know of. And uh, sometimes parents try to convey love in one language and the child talks a different language and they don't necessarily get it. And sometimes the parents aren't, don't give their children the love or don't show their children the love. And I think the important thing is, like I said, to shower our children with love because we realize what it's like to not have it and maybe because of that we have different challenges our gave us all challenges and the fact that we have those challenges is not something that we should say means that um you know because of that i'm broken it means that hashem gave me a challenge and that's my tafket in this world and it's extremely precious that tafket is precious and maybe it's harder for me to do things but the fact that it's harder doesn't mean that it's worse and, and different people have different challenges. I myself am, am, r- I have a reading disability. I don't I don't read well. And it was a big challenge for me when I was younger. And it took me a long time to realize that just because I'm challenged doesn't mean that I shouldn't learn. Because I thought for a while, okay, I'm not supposed to learn. And I almost outed as a young boy, because look, I, I have a learning disability. So clearly Hashem doesn't want me to learn. It's not a learning, I'm sorry, a reading disability. I have a reading. I never daven for the amid because I, because I couldn't, I did once. It was a disaster, the biggest disaster you could imagine. I was breaking my teeth. I mean, one of the things that I was gifted with is my parents gave me a tremendous amount of confidence that came from my parents. And I was able to, to deal with the, the humiliation of being in front of a few hundred people and messing up my davening, my laning, on my, my, my mitzvah was a disaster because I have a reading disability which my father has and my brothers have. It's, 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 it's genetic in our family. But I could have thought because of that, that therefore, okay, learning is not for me, but it's not true. And part of the reason why I feel like I can relate to, to my Bahram is because I, it wasn't, I'm not like the brilliant person who everything went smooth for and everything was perfect. And that is, that's our target in the world. If a person says, I didn't get love as a child, so that, that Hashem is giving you a challenge. And Be'zushim, embrace it and find the love, find it in yourself, and find it in others, and pass it on.
3: In, in therapy, there's... The only thing that I'd like to I'd like to mention, if if it's okay, right. is that it seems like there's a lot of judgment that happens because of it. And that part makes the process and the growth and the journey astronomical more difficult than it has to be because of comments from relatives neighbors family or whatever it is and if only they could understand or become more in tune to know that there might be something underneath they might not know about and it's too private inappropriate or even blush and hara to talk about
2: sure without a question. I want to tell you something. We have some Talmudim in our yeshiva that come from um, compromised backgrounds, whatever it might be, whether it's, you know, from a a broken home or different situations. And sometimes the Rebbein would say to me, like, you have to tell us beforehand. And I don't do that. And I told them every single child that you have, just because, it looks like everything is okay on the surface doesn't mean that there's not serious challenges that are there so don't make an assumption just because one person uh you know on on the surface it looks like they've got issues and the other person okay they don't have issues we we have to we have to be able to observe everyone and and try to figure out you know what are their challenges and a lot of people aren't aware and sometimes there's boys that come from everyone thinks everything's great in their life and everything is perfect everything's going wonderfully and underneath there's so much pain and suffering because no one's and no one sees that so you're 100 percent right people shouldn't be uh, judgmental uh, of 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 uh, you know of other people and sometimes someone you know isn't functioning people are like why are they not functioning oh they must be you know something you know it's their fault but they, they, they it could be that they were mistreated in a very severe way but uh, you know, at the same time, um, as much as we try to change that, the the, the public perception and or the public response, uh, we we have to be people that um, that endure, survive, and we become the the, the ones that are going to change it. I'll just leave you with one one quick story, Coach Menachem, before we go. Okay? Yeah. There was a particular person I'm going to cut to the chase. He was very confrontational with me when I had just opened the yeshiva. And he was a friend of the family. And he came over to me and said, I want to tell you something. I'm a victim of the yeshiva system. And I swore to do everything in my power to destroy it. So you're opening another yeshiva. I'm not helping you. And I said to him, I want to tell you something. I'm also a victim of the yeshiva system. And I swore to do everything in my power to fix it. So our choices are, you know, even people have suffered. And I, I, I've, I, I definitely had things where I could look back and say that I, my chinuch was far from perfect. In the different, you know, different rubeim in different situations. Like I told you, I struggled with reading myself. It wasn't easy for me. Many times I felt like I was publicly embarrassed by my rubeim or whatever it might be. And my rubeim didn't understand me. So what are we going to do about it? We have two choices. Either we could just, you know, we could just complain and we could just be critical and we could just say that they're the problem, or we could say, okay, we have to fix it. We have to do what our part, do whatever we can. And it doesn't mean even have to go into chinuch. I can I can fix it within my my little Dalat Amas, my children and my family, and be more and make them more sensitive and make it and anyone who's anything that I can just in order to make things uh to, to make people more aware. Okay, very good. I'm
0: saying are
1: one second Sander, we have a lot more questions you, you're going or you're, you're good. Um, know, before before i say what i wanted to say
0: yeah um the harmony- you know,
1: one second, i just want to tell this person also that was on before he had an amazing share they should, should listen to it share 119 with reverber russell and rabbi salman on emotional neglect and it's really a lot what you what you questioned and they ran into deep deep of people that had difficult upbringings and different types of emotional neglect and how to work on ourselves and how to help our children with it so Definitely something you should listen to that chair. It was unbelievable. Menachem, sorry.
0: Right. So there are many people who have a hard time conveying and giving over the love to their children. And looking back, it's because, like what you mentioned, that they didn't get it when they were growing up. And there is an idea in, in therapy of healing that inner child, that your own inner child that didn't get that emotional love whatever it was when you were younger. So now you as an adult have to slowly learn how to give it to yourself. And only after that, after accepting yourself, accepting that inner child, and sometimes that inner child can throw a tantrum. It it could trigger, once you become aware of what bothers you and be there for yourself, only after that can you be there for your child, understand what's bothering the child, be there, listen, And give them what they need, but it it is a lot of work to be able to see um, what do I need, and uh, just becoming aware that you didn't get it when you grew up—that's that is a step, and the next step is to see, you know, to be able to give it to yourself now that you're older. You know, looking around, understanding what do I need to be able to give it to yourself, and tell yourself, find those positives, start focusing on the positives, even though it's very hard in the beginning. But find some positives before you go to sleep. You say, "Wow, I did this. Wow, you did that. Wow, you're great. You're doing great. Keep it up." And usually, what happens is before you go to sleep, you're critical. Like it's not working out. I going to finish this. Gonna that. What's going to be? Just to change that. So once you can change it with yourself, eventually you can do it for others, for your kids, in mitzvah shem. That
1: was beautiful.
3: Yeah. yeah.
1: Let's go on a little bit different angle over here. We're gonna turn, turn the page a little bit. Okay, it's two questions, we'll just combine it. Um, if a child asks for the latest style and clothing, latest gadget, or other things children in the neighborhood have, how do we decide what gosh is to give into our children? First, it's the designer clothes they want. Then it's the concert they want to watch because everybody else is going. Then it's the flight to Florida for winter break. Then it's the new game everybody has. My son tells me that he needs to get clothing that his friends have. Same with the technology. Second part of the question, the second question, I'll just put it together. How could I ask my son not to be busy with all the gadgets and bikes and cell phones, fancy cars, if the adults around us are so engulfed in the goshness, to drinking by Kedation, the newest cars,
3: flying around the world? How do we deal with that with our kids with Cheddar? Okay That's about um, it's about as hard as it gets. I think that
2: there are hazards of living in certain communities. And I'm not going to call out any particular community, but I think that if you want your children not to live a certain lifestyle and that's what they see around them, probably your smartest thing to do would be to move. Um, it's very hard to expect your children, unless you're going to um, negate and, uh, and you know, talk derogatorily about everyone that's around you, uh, it is very hard for you to expect your children to, to live a different type of lifestyle. And if a person says like everyone around me is so indulgent, then, and I don't want to be that indulgent. I would think the smartest thing to do is to just not be living there. I mean, the realm writes about if there's a, there's a culture the society that you don't like, so leave. And if you need to, you go to a desert. Now we don't have to go to a desert, but, um, if a person says, I'm not comfortable with the way everyone's living around me, it's very hard to expect more of your children. It's very hard to expect that. Unless, as we mentioned before, a person is himself living a different life. If a person is, let's say, a rough and he's trying to be Makariv, people in a certain community, and everyone in that community is acting a certain way, but his child understands. My father's the Rav here. It's I'm not, this is not this is not our this, the same type of. I'm not held to the same standard because because we're, we're just here because we we, we, we want to be part the of these people. Then you can expect your children to to, to withhold from the what's considered to be acceptable uh, in, in that world. a lot
1: deal with A
2: yeah, so over there, it's understandable because I'm a shliach. The children know I'm here for a tafkit. And if my father could, he would bring me up somewhere else. In that place, there'd be different sensitivities and there'd be different things that people would, would, would do. And, and they understand that how, I, I shouldn't expect to be like everybody else. But if a person's bringing his child up in a certain neighborhood, and it's not because I'm a shliach, it's because this is where I want to live. So if this is what everyone else is doing, how do you expect more from your child? It's very hard to expect more from your child. And the only thing that a person can do, I feel, is to try to, uh, to and this is a very big challenge, is to talk to his child about, what's in, about what is going to bring happiness in the world. I think, I think uh, Coach Menachem, maybe you, you could say probably more authoritatively than me, the world is not in a very happy place as far as depression and these types of things. Uh, we, would you say that that's a, a, a correct statement that there's more depression now than let's than than years past
0: sure sure people are people are running escaping
1: people
2: are
0: escaping
1: i mean it's it's and, a fact I say the more the more luxuries the more affluence a community has the more mental health depression there is i mean a lot of right. kids today that have everything you'll see the comments Consistently, you know, I'm depressed. I feel bored, right. what should I do?
4: Right. I, I was an external ago. Right. So
1: I see these kids, they're running around trying to get, you know, three shekel drink from cola. they're busy.
3: Right.
2: So when I was a kid, we were always bored and we were okay being bored. We learned how to be bored and just be okay with it. But I'll, t- I'll share with you a story from i a muscle from Valiapian. And I think this is the only way that you could really, and uh, the question is the challenge is really feeling this and living it, giving it over to your children. Abel Yalapian gives a muscle. I, 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 I actually I heard, it, I heard this from Rabbi Stern from Beitar, and he told me he said it from from uh, Matasio Solomon, but he thinks maybe Rabbi Metisio said it from Abel Lapian. There was a child whose father was not well, and uh, he was he was restricted to a bed, and and even the bed he had he was on a tremendous amount of medication, and he he had a lot of nurses and doctors, and there was his 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 bed basically his bedroom was was a hospital room. And, and they thought that it would be traumatic for the child to go into the room. So they never let the kid in the room. He was never allowed in. And he always hear people, people coming and going. And he hears like beeps coming from the room. He doesn't know what they are. There's beeping from the machine. He wants to know what's going on inside. So one day when one of the nurses is leaving, he slips into the room. The door is like before the door closed. He sees his father there on the bed. His father's hooked up to all these machines. And, there, there's are grafts, like, you know, and there's machines that are making graphs, like, you know, of his heartbeat and there's machines that have drips. And then he sees bottles with pills and he sees all the types of liquids and everything. The, this whole room is full, full. And there's nurses and doctors and everyone's on top of him. And the child looks at his father and he says, Dad, I'm so jealous. You got so much stuff. Dad, you got so much, look at all this stuff. You got machines, you got pills, you got so much things. You hooked up all these people here. And the child said to his, his son, you should be happy. You don't need these things. I need this just to be able to live. You don't need it. So Rebellion said, there's the people that they need all the latest gadgets and need all the latest toys. And without that, they they, they, they feel like, you know, they can't, if a person can be happy and he doesn't need those things. He's, it's a blessing. And and that's where real happiness is. And even the people that have all these toys, they're not even happy because they're not healthy. Just like this person is hooked up to all these machines. He's not healthy. He's barely surviving, but he's just running away. And if we could, we could show our children that we're really happy. And I think that that is the most important thing. When when, when a person speaks about being most for Torah and living the life of a of younger Man not being able to afford a lot of things. If you can have a happy home, that's great. And your children are happy and they see that there's shalom Bias in the house and everyone is happy, so then, then, there's, then I don't think it's a problem. But if, if you're not gonna be happy and you're stressed out because you yourself or, or, or you yourself feel deprived, if you can't uh, foster a feeling of simcha in the house, so then it's practically impossible.
0: You think by by telling your kids the speech is going to
2: work? I don't know if it's telling the kids the speech or living that speech, but but and it's not about a speech. I think it's about about uh, you know a, a there's there's a certain spirit in the house. There's a ruach in the house. It's not like sitting them down and uh, give, like, I'm going to give you a drasha. But over the course of you uh, no, I I think the, the Shabbos tables is a is a tremendous platform for a person to be able to share with his children ideas and thoughts and, and as we spend time with our children talking about you know that 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 what what, what you know a person feels good about the fact that he gets close to our girlfriend a person feels good about and there's some of the things that i just don't need i don't need it and if i don't need it so then why should i have it it's just going to distract me it's just gonna, it, an escape will it work sometimes it will a lot of times it won't like i said i think the best aid is to not live there person shouldn't live in a community if he feels that everyone else around him is living on a, a certain level that they don't like, that they think is inappropriate.
0: So you're just saying there, there are still communities out there that it's easier to live in. With Absolutely, this. Baltimore.
2: No, I don't, you know, don't wanna call out particular places There's,
0: or anything like that. It's good to know. Yeah. Very good. So here's another question. As, as parents now with older teenagers, and then pushing the envelope on everything like staying out very late, past the time we made up, saying I'm not in the mood of going to school, to yeshiva. How as parents, how, how do we stay internally balanced while our kids are not acting correctly or not following the base standard rules of our home? And here's a part two somebody sent in. One of my kids, 14 year old, is basically doing whatever they want, doesn't listen to me anymore. I'm learning how to accept and love him anyways, However, I how do I stay calm and collected when he's doing crazy crazy behaviors in front of my eyes? It gets me angry. So basically, how do we uh, stay grounded and not lose it?
2: Well, there's, there, there's definitely a, science, a, a child's nisayan sign is also a parent's nisayan. Everyone's going through the nisayan. sign. And the parent has to realize that that's, the, that's part of their nisayan sign that they are going through themselves. And, As mentioned previously, the fact that this neshama was put into our family is is for us a to be able to be ayamid in that nisoyim. So although um, we we, we get frustrated by it, but realize that this was chosen for us. This 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 was put here in order for us to deal with it. And I think that there are two nakudas. One which we mentioned before, it's not my job to correct it and it's not my fault. A person. A lot of times, we get frustrated because we blame ourselves for it, and we're and we're and we're mortified by it. We're we're embarrassed by it. It's embarrassing for us when our children live a certain way. And if a person uh, is able to remove themselves from the equation, so then they have a much easier time uh, being able to embrace it. But the most important thing I think is the following thing: a parent has to realize that by being patient and accepting, that is what is going to eventually bring their child back. I know a particular boy, he was off the derek, and he's today Magid uh, Shira, one of the biggest yeshivas in the world. Someone asked his mother, like, what, how did that happen? And she said, my son always knew that I was there for him. And when he was ready to come back, he came back. And some, if we lose it on our kids, so then, our kids feel like they, that there's no place to go back to. And then, when they're ready to, you know, when they're 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 done with their journey or whatever, they're ready to 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 to, to pull, pull things together. They, there's there, there's nowhere to go. So we need to constantly be showing them we love them, we care about them. And 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 like I mentioned with Yishmael and Avram, Avram was always asking Yishmael's out of the house. But at the same time. Avram is always there because he's giving him hugs. uh, You know, those hugs that we spoke about. And Yishmael, knew my father loves me. And and when he was ready to do tshuva, so there was where where and what to come back to. We have to know that this is our job. Our job, if our children are struggling, is to show them this unconditional love. Unconditional love, which doesn't necessarily mean unconditional approval. But unconditional love, and that's there, and make sure that that comes through to their child, and that is what's going to facilitate them getting better. So, if we want to be a part of the solution or to help this process, so then we have to realize that's why that's that's our that's that's what we can do by not is not losing. Mm-hmm. Okay, let's get into the next question. A
3: little
1: complicated question. I'm divorced and my kids go back and forth between homes. I feel like whenever limits and guidelines I set for my children get completely undermined and messed up, they get anything they want from the other house. And if I don't pay for something and buy the thing that they need, the other parent will just get it. How do I set up my kids for success and to be healthy as adults as they grow up in this complicated situation? Um,
2: It it is a complicated situation and and I, I can't say that I, I know the most about uh, how to deal with that type of situation, but if, if a person's asking me what my what my feeling is, you can't. Things change the moment that there's there are two homes. You know, we spoke about what we've been speaking about a lot is about uh, what we we called uh, you know a healthy situation, but a divorce where one side is being extremely permissive is not a healthy situation. And under those circumstances, person trying to make boundaries uh, or at least boundaries that that are firm boundaries are going to just drive the child to the other side and 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 make it um, and uh, and create animosity and a parent loses a little bit of their ability to be firm when there there's now two two homes and uh, uh, there, there definitely is still a um, there, there's there's still the ability for a child to become great, even if the 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 home is extremely permissive. The only thing a parent that lives that way can do is to be the right type of role model and to encourage the child to make that decision on their own. But to set boundaries, I think is it's been made uh, practically impossible because of the situation. That's the way that I understand it. And again, we we, we don't we don't take responsibility for the situation Hashem put us in. If this is what the way Hashem put this child. This is going to be this child's journey. His journey is going to be to find it himself. People have found it themselves. There's people who grew up in, in houses that are not from, and and they and they came to Yiddishkeit, and they and they learned how to you know, how to create, set boundaries for themselves or whatever it might be. So if you live, if you're in that type of situation, I think that a person has to um, just try to make the, their, their child's experience in the house as pleasurable and enjoyable as possible.
1: Okay, Moir de or Center, We have a live question, hold on one second. Okay, you're on. Hi. Um, so we we have an nice ss family and we try giving every kid their needs and we we try being in, in tune to their love
3: language and showing them all the love that they specifically need. Beautiful. So we have a son, um, a 12-year-old, that we maybe
1: he was harder for us to figure out his exact love language, but we think we got it. However, as soon as we tell him something he has to do, no matter how small. He will just flip, he'll think we're out there to get him, and he's just going to you know, blabber his mouth off
4: and go into his mode. So how can we get him to do the things he has to do, no matter how small they
1: are, if it's homework, cleaning up after himself, in a peaceful way?
2: Wow. First of all, it sounds like you're a great parent. <laughs> we try. Um... I, I, I listen i listen to all these podcasts so uh, they, okay you listen to all of them that's that's the aside. now listen to one You gotta listen to all of them that's great <laughs> yeah so um, there's two things I think that it's extremely important to have a conversation with your child that's not confrontational in other words when a child when it's time for the child to do the homework and he doesn't want to do it that's like not a great time to have a conversation with them because he's already like all tensed up. If we could find a time when everything is calm and relaxed and some people say, well, I don't wanna rock the boat then but that's the time when there is to have a conversation and to talk to them about you know, w- w- what would be a good um, a step in the right direction. Now we don't deal with a 12 year old. I believe that the right thing to do would be to give them an incentive. So if there's something that the child wants um, and when we when we, um, when we uh, give things to our children, we give them, we have a great opportunity to, to try to get them, to motivate them. So if there's something your child wants in particular that might not be regular for your family, if it's something regular, so then you shouldn't withhold regular from them because you want them to do something. But there's something a little extra that they want, whether it's a nicer pair of sneakers or it's another pair of sneakers or it's a trip, something like that and when you're not in that moment if you can get them to embrace that and very often they will they're like i would love to go on a trip like my favorite would be for a father son trip if it's a son and then you get you get double out of it first of all you get your child to perform what you want whatever it is let's say it's doing homework or whatever it might be and then you go on a trip and you bond with your kid and that's what we spoke about the importance of spending time with them so while he's gonna have a great time because you're gonna take him to somewhere that he wants to go, whatever it is, and you also get the opportunity for him to feel like you care about him and you're investing time in him and you're understanding him. So it's a win-win situation all around. And I think the answer is to try to find a way to incentivize, you give him an incentive, incentivize him. Give him an incentive that's going to, uh, that, that's going to talk to him. And, and you have to make sure that if your incentive is a, is a toffee, uh, taffy or whatever it might be, that's not going to do it, right? It has to be something that is not expected. I don't think you, you, the person always doesn't want to shoot too high because then you doesn't, doesn't leave yourself room for another incentive or because in, in general, it's not something that he needs, but try to find something that is not expected that he would enjoy and through that, get him to do something that would be hard for him to do, which is, but he feels accomplished by doing it.
0: I just want to I just want to add sometimes it's, you can't tell the child um to do it right like now you tell them like in an hour we're gonna do homework so you give them that space another idea is also to give them choices when do you want to do homework 12 or 1 so you throw it into his court for sure and hopefully he decides and it's his decision
2: for sure yeah. that's amazing you know, there was a story about a, a girl that came to Shlomo Zalman that she wanted to abort a child. So Shlomo Zalman said, look, either I'm going to bring up the child or you're going to bring up the child. You could choose, but we're not aborting the child. We're not going to do. Yeah. You know? And so, you know, it, that's amazing. You have to be willing to bring up a child to do that. But if you, te- if, you if you tell the, the child, when are we going to do the homework? You're kind of like giving them the choice and allowing them to make that choice. And also, like like you said, it's, br- it's brilliant what you're saying. that. Uh, <laughs> Don't make it do. make them do it right now. Give them a little warning. Let them prepare themselves for it uh, emotionally, and then they'll be ready. Excellent.
0: Okay. Here's an um, interesting one. Hi, Ravi. I don't want to blame. I don't want to blame the school system, but I feel that if only the school would put in a little more, more understanding and connection to each child's needs, they wouldn't have all these struggles. Is this a fair assumption?
2: Well, we we had our our um and survey in the beginning about how the schools are doing, um, but there, there's there there are definitely two different nukudas here. I want to tell you something uh, that happened in a school, in a particular school, um, and. Uh, I happen to think that the educational system in Israel in general is phenomenal. This is a story that happened in Israel. Now there are two different types of yarmulkes, uh, velvet yarmulkes. Two different types of velvet yarmulkes. There's a velvet yarmulke that has a uh, a band around it. I don't know if you can see that. See that. And then there's one. I think what I'm when I'm noticing on Kosh Benachim is it doesn't look like it has that band on. it, Am I right?
1: My, I don't have my, the band, no band.
2: don't have the band, okay. Now that band in Israel, in, in Israel is called a seret. It's like a, it's like a film kind of going around it, right? And uh, seret is also the word for a movie. A seret is a film. So someone came up with the following, Some someone in Chinach came up with the following saying, Misha Halech Im kippa seret Someone who goes to, with a yarmulke that doesn't have a seret around it, basof will leseret end up going to a movie without a yarmulke. You go to a, if you go with a yarmulke without a seret. So you understand that what they're saying is you're off the derech if you don't have this thing around your yarmulke over here, and you're you're basically you're you're on the path to being off the derech. Doesn't sound very understandable. Now, at the same time, I think that it's important for us to realize that different yeshivas have different, uh, are, are catering to different types of Talmudim. And there are times when What's appropriate for one type of Talmud is not appropriate for another. And therefore, the yeshiva that is square is trying to address the needs of one Talmud. And another yeshiva is trying to address the needs of a different Talmud. I know of, in Eretz Yisrael, it's very, it's very common that uh, that you know, there are people who are the, they're, they're like the Das Torah uh, of, of different meistas. I know a person, I got all his Das Torah uh, of two different meistas. One meistad, it is absolutely unforgivable for boys to play sports in that meistad, absolutely unforgivable. And there's another meistad where they have a basketball court in the school, and he's in charge of both schools. And the reason is because he understands that different yeshivas are meant for different people. The problem sometimes, and not always, is we're pushing our children into the wrong school. There's a boy who belongs in a school that's playing sports. But the other school is clearly more hushed. It's clearly more prominent. I want my kid in that school. So we're going to pull all the protective we can and make all the phone calls and get our kid into that school. And then our kid is suffering. And then we're saying the school's not being understanding enough. Maybe he didn't belong in that school. And who, who pushed them there? So the, the, I think there's there's two nakudas. One nakuda is it's important for children to see inspiration in the home. So expect the yeshiva to inspire the <clears throat> Uh Yeshivas do better jobs. Some yeshivas that are more inspiring and other yeshivas that are more, you know, they're, they're, they're more removed. But that we, we can't expect the yeshiva to just do, do the job for us. The, the, the foundation has to come from the home and that is the foundation of inspiration.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: And um, that's number one. Number two is there there are schools that they, they're, they're very clear what their mission is. And if we're going to um, interfere with the mission because we're trying to send our our, our, our son to the, to a school where he doesn't belong, so then it, you know it's it's harder to blame the school for that. Now I don't know the way it works in 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 uh, in certain places like in Eretz Stroll, it's impossible to get your kid into a school without you, It's not possible. So to, to, so so using protexia doesn't mean that I'm trying to uh, you know put my my son where he doesn't belong because it's impossible to get anywhere without proteksia. But at the same time. We have to really figure out if we're we're taking care of our child because this is what's best for them, or this is something that you know we, this is our vision for where we want our children to be and because we feel good about saying my child is in this school or in that school. and then 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 we, we're creating a situation where they're not getting w- what they need. Those are my thoughts. "The okay,
1: two more questions one in Kain. Yeah, we will go to the cl- closing se- segment part, if that's OK. Sure. OK. Our son who's finishing up high school is discussing with him different options for learning, maybe an Eretz Yisrael, but he's expressing he doesn't feel so connected to being so from. What is our approach and how should we handle going post high school if he's not like basically the question is, if he's not so into going further in his studies, he finished high school, he did it, but he's not so into it. He's not so what is the job as a parent? Are we supposed to push them to go further? Are we supposed to say, okay, start college, go to work? What what what's the proper approach in such a situation?
3: Hmm.
2: The, you know, it was, it's become very popular for people to, to come to stroll after high school. And Eretz Yisrael does offer something that's very special. I was talking to a Rosh Hashim in America. He said, I think the difference between Eretz Yisrael is in America is this. I think the difference between Eretz Yisrael in America is as follows. In America, we could get you excited about learning. In Eretz Yisrael, you could get people excited about your In America, we don't have that. We, we, it, it, there's a different, aviraz, a different environment. There's I'm
1: sorry, I missed that word. Say that again. I'm sorry. In America, you get them excited about learning in control, You could
2: get them excited about Yiddishkeit. I was, we don't have that in America. We're one-dimensional. This is a Rosh Hashiva saying. I, 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 you know, this is what he was saying. And I hear, I hear where he's coming from. He's like, "What do I have to offer you? I have to offer you Torah, 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 Torah." And I can't. I don't have an opportunity to get you excited about Yiddishkeit. Which, by the way, excited about Yiddishkeit will eventually get you excited about learning. The but there's there's there, there's a lot of opportunity in Eretz Yisrael that people don't have in Chutzlars. And um, the, the the what, what I tell Bachem when they come to Eretz Yisrael is you, your past performance should in no way dictate your expectation for your future. The the rules change in Eretz Yisrael. Everything is different when you get here. So even if there's someone who feels like he's not inspired, and he doesn't necessarily, you know, he's not really uh, looking for to, to find a Kodesh Baruch Hu. there is a, uh, there's a tremendous chance that or an opportunity that something is going to happen in Eretz Yisrael, or, it, you know, it can happen also, it technically can happen in America, but I think Eretz Yisrael, we found it's much more mesugal for a person who's, you know, to to find uh, uh, the closest to Kodesh Baruch Hu. and even people that aren't necessarily looking for it, but he has to be in the right yeshiva, he needs to be in the right yeshiva. And there's many different yeshivas in Eretz Yisrael. And you have to find the one that's the most suitable for him. But certain parents have told me at certain times is, I'm only sending my son to this type of yeshiva. So if you're not open to your child being in the yeshiva, that's best for him. So then sending him to Eretz Yisrael um, can, you know, can do more damage than it does good. But I do think that we should encourage our children to be, be receptive to you know the the I heard from Dr. Pelkowitz that until a person is 1920 years old his brain hasn't really developed fully it physically hasn't developed like there's there's parts of the vein, brain haven't haven't matured and you can't really make decisions until you're 1920 so we really want our children to be able to get an opportunity to choose what they feel is really right for them and before that age any choice does not necess- is not necessarily um one that's gonna be something that coming from depth.
1: okay the last question then we'll go to closing we'll give a we give a very uh closing so think the last question before it's an easy question we always end up for the easy question okay the question is as follows um how can you say just love them if he's rooting our his own life by letting him hang out with the worst friends and doing the worst things. Loving for who he is and not for what he does. Unconditional love. This is impossible for me. The things that he does, the way he speaks to me and my husband, the destruction he's making in my house, the friends he brings home. How, as a human person, can, can we deal with it and give him the love that he needs? Okay. Well,
2: again, un- unconditional love definitely does not mean unconditional approval. And we don't have to approve of what they're doing um, in, in any way or form or fashion. And the the, the the fact that someone is doing something which is detrimental and if if it's going to be helpful and certain circumstances it will be you, you can tell them you don't approve of what they what their of their choices and and the things that they're doing if it's healthy if the child is healthy very often they're not very often they've been traumatized from whatever it was and and it's important for us to realize that this is the way that we're going to Give them an opportunity to come back. By loving them is going to—it's—it's it's, it's showing them that you have what to come back to. A lot of times, because there's that friction, then there is no more. The, 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 we've lost the opportunity. There's no there, the, There's—they the, they don't have anything that they even can think of coming back to. For that reason, if a person is worried about a child that's in crisis. We'll lose them forever if we if we if we you know if we yell at them and we scream at them and that's not going to bring them back. The only thing that we can do is we can show them love. And again, if a child is capable of hearing that the things that he's doing are 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 not right, unconditional love does not mean unconditional approval. And therefore, we don't need to. Um, to feel like uh, we, we can't express to them that there's something that they're doing that we don't like. If the boy, the child, whatever it is, is healthy enough to hear that. And that's something which we have to have guidance from someone who is a, uh, a mechanic, someone that knows the child, understands what they're going through. The other thing is we can empower others to be involved in our children. The home should be a place where the child feels accepted. A machanach can talk to a child. You could get someone else to be involved, whether it's someone, a guidance counselor, whether it's someone that, a Rebbe in the yeshiva or whatever it might be. One of those people can be the ones that are working for you and saying all the things that you perhaps would want to say if they feel like it's going to be niskabel. But uh, But as far as the home is concerned, the most important thing is that Child should see that a parent loves them. Child will respect the parent for that. And, and, and if a child respects and sees a love for Hashem and respects its parent, even when they're going through things, that 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 they're hard, they're having a hard time making the right decisions. But when when they get the strength, they'll return. I'll tell you, I'll, I'll end with one quick story. I asked the boy once who was at risk, very at risk sitting together with a few girls and a few boys. There's a friend of mine, asked me to help with their child. And it was right before Pesach. And I asked these kids, which of the four sons do you identify with? It's a survey, you could put it on your, one of your surveys. Which of the four sons? The tam the, the, the Rasha, the Chacham, The boy that I was the most about was leaned over to me and said in my, he said to to me, I identify with the Russia, but I really want to be the Chacham. And a lot of times the kids, they don't have the strength to make the right decisions right now. The boy was, was, he was very, he was doing a lot of really very damaging things to himself, but he wants to get back there. And we have to give him a place to come back to. And if he sees his parents are good, they're people that are that are that are they're they're growing people. They're people that are close to Hashem and they love Him. He's gonna still want to come back. I want to come back. I'm proud of my father. I love my father. He loves me. I'm gonna get there right now. It's so hard. I got so much peer pressure. I have so much. I, I, I you know so much temptation. But we have to have patience and 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 Amuna uh, is gonna come back. It's ava and Amuna, right? That's what we said. It's ava and Amuna. So we have to believe that that this child is gonna
4: come back.
1: Okay, beautiful said let's go to the closing representative to think of a nice something to leave us with, but we'll start wrapping it up now. Okay, first of all, Grisha for to be sent coming on tonight, waking up early, early morning, giving tremendous chizik and There was a huge oil here tonight. I'm thousands of people that will listen to it later. It should it should definitely make a big, big roshim. Again, we said the Gmature is 123. So I think it worked out worked out perfectly again. Tonight's show was sponsored by Ellie and Hani Eisman of E.E., of mm-hmm. e events with a person for the dedication and devotion that he gives to each Talmud and continue to be my bridge with Yishiva Das. Mm-hmm. Again, if anybody wants to join, um just WhatsApp me at 848-525-0066 and save my number. I will email you every Sunday the flyers. Uh you can go to coach Menachem, you can go to MenachemBernfeld.com and sign up to for, for his email list that sends out the, the shiurim and the and the replays the show will be available in a few hours Menachem will stay up late and get it all and get it up right two three in the morning usually Again, if anybody's here the first time, every Sunday night at 9.30 on this Zoom ID, different cheer and different topics. Meshem next week, December 4th, we have a program with Rabbi Shulam Epstein. He's from Scranton. He's one of the biggest therapists, well-known therapists in the area of OCD and anxiety. Topic is anxiety or piety. Understanding OCD and anxiety in the firm world. So please join. It's, it should be a very powerful program and let people know about it. Again, everything's recorded. Meshem will be on menachempermphal.com. If anybody has any questions for us or for Rabbi Center, please email us at coachmenachem at and we will, Metshem, respond. And tonight's share is one twenty three. If you want to listen to it on the phone, we will be up tomorrow on the phone lines at 848-777-GROW. And uh, I want to thank again the advertising sponsors, Lakewood Scoop, Elina Ariel from Five Town Central, Chaile Kauffman Shulsam from JCN. And we're going to go to closing first with Coach Menachem and then Rebbe Center. We'll go, Coach Menachem, wrap up tonight. Wrap up a two-hour share. Wrap up.
0: Thank. First of all, thank you so much, Rebbe Center, for... Giving your time early in the morning, and um, the topic is is a is a challenge. It's not an easy one, and like we heard, each child is different, and uh, the parents. It's not it's not easy to say the least. But uh, just to remember the the foundations, like we discussed, the positivity, the hugs, all of you know the discipline is 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 afterwards. But uh, it's only after you can give the hugs. And uh, the like we heard, doesn't go without it. And Hashem sends the child, each child to that parent. And um, I think it's very important, like we heard tonight, it starts with the adult, with the parents. Sometimes it's hard. After uh, all these challenges, you don't feel the love for your child. And sometimes it starts with your own How you deal with your own inner child, how you feel about yourself, how you relate to yourself, self-compassion. What what are the voices that you hear? What do you say when you make a mistake? When you yourself make a mistake. So that's, you know, if you can't take it when you, you make a mistake, how could you give it to your child? And when you make a mistake, nobody knows about it. You try to keep it a secret. But when your child does it, everybody sees. So you get mad. So it starts off with self-compassion, self-love, which is hard for people who haven't seen it, who need it. And uh, those those kids need it the most. You know, the parents, the kids. And um, just a little bit that we do, just a little bit, one step at a time, we'll make a change in Mitz Hashem. And like we heard, eventually they'll come back. You know, the person himself, I'll come back, my little child will come back my real child, my inner child, but you have to be there just with patience. And I know it could be hard and uh, self-care is important. And for those who didn't get self-love when they were younger, they usually don't understand what self-care is all about. Just to be there for yourself. Just tell yourself you're okay, even if you're not perfect. And if you can be okay, even if you're not perfect, being a child could be okay, you could be there for them, and, and it's Hashem. Slowly, slowly, but surely, we should be able to do our tough kids. This is why why we're here, this is what Hashem sent us. And we try our best. We should have a lot
1: of de Rabbi two things. First of all, what a bracha from all the hundreds of people that come here to spend their Sunday nights, late at night, to, to get chizuk in the, in the which is a, a journey in itself. We're going to bracha for everybody who's going to hear the show, heard the show, he who's going to listen to the show later. Then leave us a strong wrap up. Two hours, dibek
2: Wow. Well, first of all, it was a plus for me, even just to hear that those closing remarks from Coach Menachem. I, I really don't want to say anything because that was that. I think that was really what we should be left with. But I guess I have to. That's why I'm here, and I'm I'm happy that I was able to be on. The first thing is we mentioned that you have to hear all of these episodes. Um, because there are many different mahalchim, and every person has to realize, and they shouldn't feel like they're stuck in one particular thing. And just because something resonates by you, it has to be right for your child. And Ramesh Feinstein explains by the Arba Bonim, we speak about, the, we just mentioned the Haggadah, the Chacham, and the Rasha. And you look, the Chacham, and the Rasha, their questions are super similar. So why does one get such a harsh response? And the other one gets such a soft response. It says, Ramesh, you have to know your kid. You have to know who you're talking to and we spoke about spending time with your children and how important that is and that every person is different and there are people who uh, you know because of the fact that the, the, their experiences they just need a lot of hugs but there there are there are also times when a person has the ability to try to uh, to stretch their children to have more expectations to set boundaries whether it's when they're younger using incentives as we mentioned for, for that he says uh, that uh, when you're younger, you use the eighth Sahara, or when you're older and there's and there's a place for a person giving constructive criticism to his son. As Coach Menachem mentioned, son or his child, uh, uh, that that criticism doesn't mean that you're bad, especially when it comes couched with so much love and you're great and I just want you to be better and I know that you can be better and I believe in you and I love you and it's because I'm so proud of you that I can actually say this. And the Gemara in Talmud says, as long as this criticism, Constructive criticism in the world. Nachas ruach toiva ubracha vira misalekes min ha'olam. Toi is a super important part of, of the way that, uh, that we can improve if it's done properly. Reb Ha'am explains that the Ava'i Dezorah Baal Pa'or, such a strange Ava'i that people used to just relieve themselves in front of the Ava'i Dezorah. So Says Reb Ha'am Shulevitz, the, 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 the idea of the Ava'i is do what you want. You could do what you want; everything is acceptable. You could even just go to the bathroom right here, and that's not Yiddish kaitin. And and there's an idea of a person being able to have uh, us having expectations of our children, expectations of our talmidim. Again, in a very healthy way. If we do that in a healthy way, that's what it means to be a mechana. What what we speak about. <clears throat> there's a pasuk that says this past week's afteira. <speaking in Hebrew> He's a Malach. What does it mean your Torah is a Malach? So we mentioned, the, the major says, A Rebbe's job is to try to stretch his Talmud. Get his Talmud to serve Hashem, to live in the struggle, to embrace the struggle, which is embracing the fact that I'm getting out of my comfort zone. And that's something that a person can enjoy. Teach them to have the simcha of growth. Simcha, to be happy with the fact that they're growing. And that's something when a person does it with the right balance and a person feels that satisfaction, and realize this is where happiness is. That will help them to be able to overcome the all of the temptations of the world, of all the pleasures, because really those pleasures are just running away. It's just running away from life. And and real life is a person who's moving. Adam, lamal Yulad, We're on this world to be a heilich, and to continue to grow and to move forward. And I think that the people that are here listening to this clearly are people that are searching to grow because this is what they're doing on their Sunday night so you're clearly those types of people and to believe in our children believe in to, to establish our love for them and not only to feel it but to be able to convey it in a way that our children understand and then to believe in their abilities and to have patience with them And Be'z Hashem, we should have nachas as Rabbi, Coach Menachem said First from ourselves, and then from our children, because if you if you don't have nachas from ourselves, you're gonna have a hard time being able to like appreciate them and their struggles. And we should all <laughs> be to continue to move forward and to move up. Amazing. Thank you.
1: For Amen. "Thank you so much for coming. We'll see everybody on show next week. Nine thirty. of Have
3: a good night."